UX Podcast Episode 107. Hello, and welcome to UX Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Pat Axpo. And I'm James Roy Lawson. And we are balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. Today, we bring the last of our interviews from UXLX 2015. Yeah, for the second time this year, um, we're really pleased to have had the chance to talk to Lisa Welshman. Uh, Lisa joined us um, back in episode 92 earlier this year. All right. Yeah. Um, talk about digital governance. <laughs> no, uh, that was an excellent chat. And I, I, I think Lisa's great fun to talk to. That's the time when I actually said I thought it was going to be boring, but I thought it was really, really exciting to talk to her. <laughs> you just had the word governance and just yeah, turned off. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, we had the opportunity to chat to Lisa again when we were at um, UXLX in um, June. Um, couldn't, couldn't possibly turn that down. No. So uh, we sat in room four and we got quite philosophical. And we started talking about our responsibility um, as designers during the digital age. It's seriously one of the best conversations about UX I've ever had, I think. You reckon? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, up, up, uh, top 10, Ooh. most certainly. It, it got me thinking about so much uh, that I actually brought back into my blog posts, into my, yeah. my, how I explain UX to people. I think, to be honest, I think that's true for the, both of the chats we've had with Lisa yeah. this year. This one you're about to hear mm. and episode 92 earlier in the year. Mm. Um, She's a great thinker. She is. UX Podcast is going to be at Interact London 2015. Two days brimming full with inspiration at one of UK's leading design conferences. It's October 20th and 21st, and you can get your tickets by visiting 2015.interactconf.com. And we're joined, well, yet again, by Lisa Welshman. Yes, but in... Person. In person, sitting across from you, it's yeah. awesome. That's right. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I love it. And I'm taking my take on this is, is, I'm not bored of talking to Lisa yet. No. So no one else can possibly be bored yet of listening. To and her. we should always bring a microphone as soon as we're talking to Lisa. Actually, is what, what we found. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because I say things. You say things. <laughs> <laughs> what was the quote that you got told off? For? Well, not told no. off yet for, but. Oh, I'm not going to say You're it. You're not going to say it. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> see if I can find it while we're talking. <laughs> No. Um, well, this uh, this um, at this conference, you've um, you've not only done a, a workshop which you had this morning, mm-hmm. um, which centered around digital governance, um, but you also did um, a presentation on the conference day. Um, I did. Are yeah. we architecting the information age? Which I I, I liked. Um, I tweeted that it was kind of a call for arms, uh, a call yeah. to arms for UXers to, to to stand up and um, and make a difference. It was, it, f- it was kind of unexpected. Uh, I didn't know what you were going to be unexpected talking about. Unexpected from me yeah. or just unexpected? Ex- unexpe- yeah, from from you. Because I was sort of thinking about the things we've been talking about before. But then this was more like, and it m- made me think a lot about, okay, so you were asking who is accountable for the information design. You were saying we are. And uh, and I was thinking, well, how important is that really? And you were saying, well, we're moving into the information age and this yeah. is going to change everything. I made and all of a sudden, this, this stone on my heart, like, yes, Jesus, this, yeah. is, this is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, love, I love the comparison too, yeah. to the, information, um, to the um, industrial age and, and how we just polluted the hell out of the, yeah. the, the earth back then. Somebody decided that fossil fuels was a good idea, or did they? Did anybody s- 
stop to think about what we were doing back then. Well, we've, it mm-hmm. was an incremental thing, exactly. right? So we started burning things for energy a long time ago, probably before we called things ages, I would imagine, quite some time before that. So I think it's okay. I think, though, that we should learn from the past, mm-hmm. right, and try not to make the same mistakes. And so I think we have a sense of global scope about the world, and the nature of the web and the Internet is global. So everyone's talking about globalization, but with this technology, it really is true. I mean, things move very quickly across the globe. The amount of news that I get Mm. um, about other parts of the world, even from when I was a child, is just immense. I don't have to wait for it to get to the newspaper and move out. So I think that pace really makes a difference. Mm. And so that makes it kind of extra good and extra scary all at the same time. Mm. And it might seem surprising to you that I would be talking about that, but I think... Um, one of the things that people don't really know about me and the work that I do is that it's not governance that I'm really interested in. It's enabling digital. Mm. And so I kind of hone in on governance because I see it as a blocker, mm-hmm. right, for actually doing digital well. So when you think about it from that perspective, I'm very inf- interested in the information age. I'm very interested politically and socially and ethically about what we can do with this technology. So when I see digital teams working in a kind of a stupid way. I'm like, that's not good. Mm. We're not going to get good things if we don't get that. So I'm mm. really just trying to remove a blocker. And if it all goes away, I'll move on to the next thing. Who, um, and there's responsibility too. Um, we, we talked about yesterday, like who, um, who is responsible for the, for the outcomes from information design? Um, and then went on to who is responsible for the consequences of, of bad design or bad information? I think that's, that's one of the things that made me start to think about, yeah, you know, you, oh, the things we do... Mm. We know sometimes that we're doing stuff. That's we use phrases like technical debt and and kind of design debt and things. Yeah, stuff that we that we fail to do. We're leaving it behind, and we have to catch up with it at some time in the future. But we never do really. But at the same time, we also talk about other people, other designers, and other companies that actually you see that they don't do any good work at all. They don't think about accessibility. They sort of trick their clients into buying stuff that Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be buying. And so there's so many aspects of this. And when you on stage asked everybody, are you doing your best work? Uh, that struck a chord with me because I realized I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of yeah. us are really sure yeah. if we're doing our best work. Mm. I think we have an idea in our heads about what that might look like and sometimes a little bit of a fantasy or escape exercise around, mm. yeah, I'm doing that because mm. it leaves you mm. in a comfortable place. But um, I think a lot of people are not doing their best work and as it relates to what you were talking about just ahead of that, which is really about accountability. Mm-hmm. I think as what we do becomes more and more relevant to individuals, as well as mission critical to business, but I care about business, but not so much. I'm really thinking about the individual people that this impacts, you know, you know, a cancer patient getting the right information about how to take care of themselves mm. at the right time, right? And at what point do those things become really connected and really serious. For instance, for a while, telephones seemed like they were this fun to have, nice to have thing. And now um, we're at a place where, I mean, they're going out now, but just think back in the day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Legislation was passed to ensure that everyone could have a telephone, yeah, right? Because it became so critical and important and it became a, a necessary thing for people to have mm-hmm. in order to function in the world. So mm-hmm. I think some sorts of digital capacity are starting to move in that direction. Mm. The first and foremost is internet connectivity, Mm. right? So 
UN has declared that access to the internet is a human right. Yeah, which right? is so fantastic. We're nowhere near that. Mm. People having global access. Now there's some social anthropological conversations we could mm. have about people who do or may not want to be connected to the internet. But pushing those aside gently for a moment, there are people who would like to have access to the internet that can't afford it or mm. that where a business may not think that it's important enough to extend their footprint or profitable enough to extend their footprint to allow that. So I think there's a lot of capacity building around that that's really important for us to really consider and inform the conversation. Mm. So UX going beyond an interface and UX going beyond the entire experience, including influencing and talking about the infrastructure that supports that. So I think that's really important and there's decisions being made around that right now and I don't think people are realizing mm. important things are being thought about. We're thinking about how do you make money on it? You know, how do you do cool mm. stuff with it? But not really, you know, how do you maintain someone's health, right? Or how does someone alert someone that they're ill? So it's interesting. Mm. We did touch upon this when we were talking about the phone. On the 100th yeah. episode, we were talking about how phones uh, are hard to use for some people and, and the aspects of accessibility and do we need to legislate around accessibility because if people are expected to always perform their tasks and right. like mm. like the mun my municipality where I'm involved is okay so nobody ever signs up for daycare on paper anymore everybody right. has it on the computer but nobody, not everybody has access to computers some, right. some people have to go to li the li library and is that fair? Mm. So what are we doing to support that development. Well, and then there's mm. in the, the school, mm. there's the school aspect of yeah. that. So my son went to school mm. and U.S. used private school, so they can make whatever rules mm. they want. But there was requirement when he got to high school that he have a laptop. Mm. Yeah. So I could buy that for him. So it was mm. really great. And so there's issues around the digital divide. Yeah. Do we actually supply children whose parents can't afford certain types of hardware for them mm. so that they can actually, one, learn the skills of using that technology, mm. right? And gain the knowledge and understand how to access knowledge because there's a tremendous advantage for people who learn how to access information, mm. right? And so there's just a lot of sort of philosophical, ethical considerations. And sometimes I feel like those debates take place on a playing ground with politicians and um, people who have political or business motivations, but not those who have digital expertise mm. or actually understand how these systems work and flow or have a design sense, mm. right? And so that's a shame. Right, And I think it's our own immaturity in industry of just kind of thinking of ourselves as makers, like who are sort of being told to make things and we will make things and they will be good, mm. right? But not this kind of thing as architects mm. of an entire experience or of an infrastructure that's going to support a type of experience that might be very broad. Yeah. And we've touched a few times about um, ethics within UX mm. um, when we... Um, uh, we had a chat um, a few weeks ago, and we t talked about um, the persuading. Sometimes when you you have to do maybe some more persuasive techniques on a website to get it to to yeah. create business or to meet business goals, and at times you kind of you want you don't want to be part of it because this is not maybe something you agree with mm -hmm. tricking people mm -hmm. into doing certain stuff. And I think there's a an important aspect of UX is that I think you well in the design work we do we need to have a social responsibility mm -hmm. um, and not not be part of things that aren't maybe morally in line with um, our own personal ethics. Well, and I, that's interesting because there's complexity in that because there's diversity in the UX community. And so there might be some really good or quality UXers that mm. have really good skills, but they don't have the same ethical framework that you yeah. have. Right? And that's a shame because I probably agree with you all about how things should go, but we need to understand that from an objective perspective mm. 
to support the full spectrum because that's the way the world works, yeah. right? So, and we hope to sign up as many people as we can on our team, yeah. right? But we really need to look at it because I think if we just try to to form it around one particular viewpoint, we'll lose a lot of people, mm. right? And we'll lose the movement, sort of the, the full movement of people. So if we can come up with some just general ideas about how things work or where a UXer may be able to provide input in a large system, and then people mm. will have to make individual choices about, I don't want to work on this particular thing because it's not ethical. Mm. And again, we hope that things get in line. I mean, I hate to say that. It sounds cynical, but I think that's how it how it works. No, I, I think, no, it's right. It's made me also develop the thought just now about how, well, it's the same kind of thing we have when we're talking about the, the, the rise of, of um, more right-wing parties, for example, in, in European mm. politics or even in American politics. And and the thing that, well, you know, take the conversation to them. You can't just shun a group of people that's with right. a certain mm. opinion. And, and now I'm using a very extreme example to, to bring it back to UX. But, mm. but the same thing with, with maybe the UXs who are skilled but maybe not as ethi- ethnically developed or right. aware. Then ignoring those projects is not as maybe healthy as throwing yourself into them and standing up for right. a more ethical basis and trying to convince the, the project organization to do it a different way. Actually, the people who, who use the dark patterns, as we call them, and perhaps and, and mar- work with SEO and the black hat SEO and with marketing poker sites maybe. Mm. Uh, or pornography. Or yeah. pornography. Yeah. They are actually extremely skilled. They are. They are extremely skilled. They're some of the yeah. most skilled people. Are exactly. In the they, are, they are the ones using all the right tools, but right. maybe... <laughs> for the wrong purpose. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so I think mm. that's always very interesting. And that's mm. been true of every technology adoption. Yeah. I mean, some of the earliest books that came out of the printing mm. press were pornography. Mm. Yeah. Right. So this is just human nature. And so we don't have to go with that mm. as an individual. But I think we need to be really aware of the array of what's there. And that gives that's more of a mandate to actually understand what the dynamic it is mm. and what our skills can do to help influence that dynamic or define that dynamic so that it can be managed Mm. right and that's where sort of my sense of objectivity the governance work that I do I almost don't care what people are making I just want the decision making around the making of it to be clear after that you can make something either I agree with or I don't agree with Mm. but you're making it clearly Mm. right and so I think this is a similar sort of thing that we really need to apply which is Let's understand what we're doing and what the role of UX is mm. in the creation of these systems and make sure that we're doing it consistently. And then individuals can decide, okay, I'm going to work in this arena over in the dark corner or I'm going to be <laughs> over here. You know, I mean, this, yeah. is, just, this yeah. is just how it is, right? And then there's a tug of war between yeah. what we perceive as the good and the bad, right? And mm. sometimes what is obviously the good and the bad. But again, that's the nature of reality. That's the way mm. things work. That's always going to be there. Yeah. I think the key, one, well, one of the keys, I don't have the answers, <laughs> but is to, to increase more the awareness of everybody's competence and what their actions actually mean in the end. Uh, my example there usually is from accessibility, uh, where I've learned that telling developers that they need to have that alternative text for images, uh, that they need to think about stuff for screen readers or have bigger buttons because people have disabilities which make them not able to move as well as everybody else. Uh, I can tell them that stuff, and sometimes they, okay, well, I'll just ignore that because you're telling me how to code, basically. But instead, I involve them and show them people using websites, and they're like, blind people use websites? That's crazy. And then they they realize, okay. And then they actually start themselves reading up on, okay, what could I do differently in the way I code to actually help those people? Because now you've shown me that there are real people over there, and not just you telling me in a specification 
uh, to code, code in a certain way. You make you give them something more yeah. tangible to, to consider. That's a theme actually that I've <laughs> taken from these days is that involving more people early on uh, and showing them stuff uh, and making them part of the decision instead of telling them what to do is really key as well. Well, I, I think one of the things, I mean, that tops on a number of things for me, what you're saying, because yes, I agree that that's true. And I think that sometimes in our space, people aren't, aren't very generous with one another, mm. right? And so there's a number of things going on there. One is that any individual person only has a limited perspective. You have a certain number of hours in the day. You have your life experience and the experience of those around you. You come to work, you go home, you hang with your family or friends or whatever, and you have your existence. That may or may not include people with disabilities, right? And if it doesn't, mm. you're ignorant. Mm. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that you don't know. And so mm. I think sometimes we assume that the reason why someone is making a quote-unquote mistake in an area is because they're being aggressive or they don't care almost all the time it's because they don't know yeah. it's just ignorance and so I think having them experience that I mean you've seen people be transformed you know maybe they were you know they give birth to you know someone who has a disability of some sorts or you develop a disability and all of a sudden somewhere where you had no sensitivity you have mega sensitivity it's just a knowledge piece and I I see that a lot particularly working um, as a black woman in technology mm just sort of the lack of diversity in general is really not good and it has nothing really to do with discrimination or the things that you might think of it's more like limited perspectives mm -hmm. and that's the real loss mm -hmm. it's like you don't see the world the way I see it and I don't see it the way you see it and so if we don't have enough diversity across the board and that could mean a lot of different things that can be global um, perspective gender perspective you know different types of abilities, ability to, I only speak one language, mm. and you all speak more than one language, right? There's all of this stuff that if we put it all in the pot, we're gonna come up with a really good solution. And so that's really the real loss. The rest of it is kicking and screaming and fighting, and I have my days when I get annoyed because people objectify me, or they think about things, but mostly I'm upset because I'm thinking, we're creating an uninformed solution. This isn't gonna be as good as it could be, mm. because we're not including all types of people. and so. I think that's something that sort of the UX community could work on by itself, but also as we're looking at the broader picture, considering the diversity of view, because that developer does want to do a good job. I had a similar experience um, once we were working with a client, it was a long time ago, and we were actually working on an information architecture project, see I did other things, mm -hmm. um, and we recorded some testing and videotaped it and we played it back for the management and they were just were shouting at the screen it's right there mm -hmm. click on it it's in the <laughs> upper right hand corner don't you see it you know it says <laughs> fill in the blank with a word i won't tell you what it says because you'll know who it is but you know what i mean and they were just like but that did it and so it was like seeing and believing mm. with your own eyes yeah. really makes a huge difference and there's nothing wrong with that so I think we could, just as practitioners, be a little bit more gentle with people. You probably don't know a lot about their job either, right? The specifics of no. their job. And mm -hmm. so we have to respect that we have a certain competency that makes us aware of certain things, mm -hmm. right? And so we need to bring that to other people more gently and invite them into the conversation instead of sort of waving our finger yeah. at them, telling them that they're doing a really bad job. Mm. Wow. Excellent. We've That's got a call to arms. Great from, summary. Um, <laughs> from Lisa. We've got to go out there and yeah. do... Be more inclusive and do better stuff. Yeah. Thanks so much.
Great, Lisa. You're welcome. Mm, Thanks. Thank <laughs> Mind blown once again. Just listening back to this is fantastic. Uh, and you can tell sort of that I wasn't ready for this conversation. I didn't even know what we were going to be talking about. She surprised us a bit, like I was saying in, in the interview, with what she talked about at the conference, because I was expecting more of a governance uh, uh, talk. But this was really about everything we do and our responsibility, which was amazing. And thinking about it, I've come to realize that she's actually, she's doing UX for the UX world. She's trying to remove the obstacles and the biggest obstacle for the digital world and UX is governance. And, and that's why she's attacking governance. Well, yeah, like she said in the mm. very beginning mm. of, the, of this mm. chat, um, that, that Lisa is, is really interested in enabling yeah. digital to happen. Um, and governance is just what well, she happens to, to, to see as the blocker, the thing getting exactly. in the way. Um, it's not the kind of the means mm. to the end. Yeah. It's not like she sets about just doing mm. governance for the sake of governance. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I can... Yeah, it is kind of a bit surprising, but I suppose we're learning and, and understanding with our chats. Yeah, with Lisa, uh, that you, she's, a, she's a real yeah. thinker. She's a pr- she, she is, and that makes you <laughs> realize how many preconceptions you have about people. And you're putting into one slot, mm. and you think that's what they do. Mm. I mean, we've had Luca Rubluski on, uh, and he's been the forms guy, and then he was the mobile first guy. And so you're always labeled as something, but yeah. it's more, much, much more interesting when we get into these conversations, when we actually talk about our profession and on our... Are we able to be accountable for what we do, which is a really interesting topic to be talking about, mm. and we talk about it too uh, well, too seldom. Yeah. I want to say, uh, and, and do we mm. do we bother, or do we care about um, about that as individuals? Mm. You know, do we just close our eyes, get on with it? And are we are we realizing the impact we're having on society as a whole? That's what I'm bringing into this as well. Is mm. people are dependent on technology these days. Really, really dependent. And uh, as Lisa said, which I, I really wasn't aware of, that the UN uh, oh, actually the, had has made an, an, a human right yeah. access to, to the internet. Yeah, which uh, that is, uh, is an immense thing that did happen yeah. um, a while ago when they, they did that. That is now a human right to have access to right. information that is just floating around on, on the thing which we call means the that internet. all activities that people are doing nowadays and I was just riding in my car yesterday with my father-in-law and he was asking he's 70 and he's asking all these questions about Twitter and social media because every, everybody's referencing uh, even in the media that he's reading like the papers and he's listening to radio everybody's referencing hashtags and everything all the time he doesn't he doesn't get it mm. uh, so he's just trying to understand and what people are just now even if they haven't had computers for a long time they have to like I was mentioning also re- have to do with the school over a over a digital system mm. And what we, our responsibility is that these systems, they're going to live for a long time. People are going to be dependent on them to live their lives. Mm. Are we taking enough responsibility and pushing ourselves to do our best work? Because that's another thing she asked on stage. Yeah, are, are you doing, doing your, your best, best work? work? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is an excellent question. <laughs> and I think most people said no. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, or you we, don't know. Or, well, yeah, yeah there, was a, there was not, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a ma- massive number of people mm. who put their hands up and said, yeah, just now I'm mm. doing my best work. And in our profession, um, we always have these excuses that, well, we didn't have enough money or uh, the developers didn't understand or the, the requirement specifications are all wrong and uh, you're pushing too hard to get your people to understand the benefits of UX, but they're not, just not understanding it. Mm. Or oh, you so, did the research, mm. but you didn't do the application. Yeah. So you, know, you didn't mm. um, apply mm. what you came to as a conclusion mm. or a suggestion. But um, what, will, what will happen if we don't do our best work? Will people 
uh, burnout. I mean, that's what we talk about when I talk about ego depleting systems is that people really, really feel frustrated to the extent that they actually feel bad about themselves. Uh, which I know that uh, another guy we talked about a lot uh, on the show and with two on the show. Do you want to sell the show? Well, he's oh, yeah. written, written a book about this, and he's talking people burn out. They actually uh, go home sick because systems are making them feel worse. Yeah, yeah. We interviewed him mm. a couple of mm. uh, like years ago, and mm. he's the author of um, "Stupid Bloody System." Yeah, in his English title mm. um, of the book, which is an excellent read. But no, but the, um, I think. Um, Another point that Lisa brought up was was about um, that as an individual you do have a limited perspective, perspective, and you you do have a limited number of hours in the day, so it's impossible for you to know everything. That's right. completely true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I joke about the fact that it's impossible to remember everything nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much. So not only is it impossible for for me to remember everything, I can't possibly know everything either. Yeah. <laughs> and and that 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 ignorance mm-hmm. doesn't make me or other people fundamentally bad individuals. Yes. And this is such an incredibly important point that you know we've we just got to remember that people can be ignorant but still good. Yeah, you know, nice quality people. You know, mm. they're they're not evil. And uh, it made me reflect listening to that interview again about our attitude often in 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 projects, in meetings, you know, client um, relationships or whatever, where you know people get frustrated or mm. get cross or you mm. know. Uh, we we don't get what we want in in, mm. in projects, and mm. and that's that's a huge frustration, um, mm. and that negativity pulls us all down and and stops us from doing our best work and exactly. producing our best projects. Um, but we need to. I just love the feeling of patience mm. you get from Lisa. She's mm. talking that you can, you know, take a breath, <laughs> calm down <laughs> a bit. Remember that these people aren't bad. They just right. don't know. Take the time. Mm to educate them mm. or to to elucidate to, to actually explain mm. and and mm. oh and not it's easier mm. it's easy for me and you to say you know in a podcast sure and, and we've talked to so many people we know about how how hard it is to actually know everything in ux because it's just impossible uh but also I'm, i loved this discussion about uh, people not uh or being ignorant or not understanding enough and it makes you realize that perhaps we have a bigger responsibility to not be as hard on people to actually realize that maybe we don't know everything they know. Mm. And so we can't be as hard on them about the things that we think we know that they don't. Mm. And and we have a tendency in the UX world, I think, to actually be very harsh about what's the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. This ties into Mm. our conversation Mm. about um, imposter syndrome as well, that we're we're all individuals Mm. and we have individual Mm. knowledge. And you know mm. you, you aren't going to be a clone of of someone else, right? Uh, and that same to remember mm. about people who are not in the branch mm. that you're delivering to or explaining to, they can't possibly have your knowledge. Exactly. So don't be mad at them. <laughs> Try to help them or assist them, or at least be understanding. Like be be more human about it. Mm. Uh, is is what she's saying. And I'll be I'll be the first to admit that I've been on projects where eventually I actually give up. I succumb to the culture of the project, and I realize, okay, I'll just do my job. I'll not, I'll not stop arguing. I'll do my job, and uh, thinking that, well, that's okay. At least, at least, the client is getting what they want. But in the end, perhaps I'm realizing that the user isn't getting what they should be getting mm. to feel better about themselves and feel better about the product and the service. Uh, and essentially, if you're working with big, huge systems, which are systems that will go out into society and and be systems that people are 
interacting with for everyday activities like school and health and all those those types of services like public transport and when when she was saying are you doing your best work that's when i realized and talking to her afterwards if i don't do my best work in that situation if i do give up and succumb to that feeling of they they're not going to understand so i'll try, stop trying i'll just do these interaction design uh, sketches and be done with it uh, and i'll be happy and i'll get paid mm. uh but more and more i'll actually try and not give up mm. is what i'm thinking yeah and that's because exactly i'm understanding it, yeah. the impact of what lisa is saying yeah it's yeah mm. we we, mm. we need to be better at standing up and yeah. And you know, pushing for what we believe mm. in, um, it's not going to be easy at times. No. Um, and for some, uh, you know, depending on how your how your role is, I mean, whether you're a whether you're in house or a, or a consultant or you know working for an agency, that might put you in quite a difficult situation. Exactly. Um, so what we need to be working more on is communication mm. and communication about the worth or the value that we're bringing into a project or anything that we're working with. Uh, and make sure that people do understand that and understand the processes around it, understand the benefits of working in a user-centric way and the benefits not only to that product and service but to, to the society as a whole. Mm. And maybe mm. if you don't feel if you don't feel like you can communicate some of these issues or problems, mm. then talk to a colleague or someone else maybe on the project and and see if you can you can work a way of communicating it together. Mm because it's it's mm. i mean not everyone is as mm. good as each other at, at communicating mm. certain or bringing up certain mm. issues um or highlighting mm. them or explaining them but um you know a couple of people together can make a, a big difference perhaps yeah i'll actually be doing a talk uh in a month uh, for a client where i'll i'll be criticizing uh the way the client works <laughs> oh. uh, and getting paid for it well done Perry. and getting paid for it yes <laughs> <laughs> in the sense that i'm realizing that we're sitting in all these meetings and Nobody has the data to back up any of the things that they're suggesting, and they fail to prioritize. And what, my, what I'm hoping is that they realize that paying more attention to data is going to help them feel better about their jobs because then they'll stop worrying so much about if they're doing the right thing. Mm. Because if you pay attention to the data, it will be much easier to realize if you're doing the right thing. Mm. Or if you, I suppose... Uh, lifting it a, a bit broader than just data, mm. uh, although I really agree with you. Mm. Um, if you can create a climate and a culture where uh, people's skills are trusted, yeah, or, or opinions are trusted, whether those opinions are based mm. on 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 um, um, education mm. or on data mm. um, or on life experience, yeah, that that um, yeah. And when I say criticize, I'm actually using that word perhaps in the wrong sense because i won't go go that hard on them I'll, I'll probably paint a picture of here's a good way of working and this is why this is a good way of working exactly are you yeah. bound to offer <laughs> yeah. them a solution yes. I know you're not just speaking of communication it's yeah. going hard on, on somebody is perhaps not the best approach yeah mm. i remember that uh, now we've um, i've got a flashback mm. to um um the workshop i did anyway with dave gray um a few years ago um, and one of the exercises he did was the um, exercise where you have to um, be positive in response to someone. So it's, it's, um, it's right. yeah, it's a dream. Mm. It's, you get someone to describe mm. their dream home, mm -hmm. and the first part of the exercise, you um, you respond to everything they say by criticizing. 
Oh, oh okay. no, but that oh, you don't want it to be kind of you know, too sunny at yeah. the back of the house because it'll just get really warm mm. and you won't want to be, mm. you know, you want to sit outside mm. at the back there. You're going to be inside all the time. And then, then you go on like this, the whole conversation. Then you switch. Um, so the second time you do it, or rather you switch around, and then you reply always with a positive thing. Mm. Oh, that sounds fantastic. That'd be so sunny at the mm. back of the house and everything. Uh, okay, you could bake in mm. and maybe it's like you know, a little kind of mm. criticism, but try always to be positive mm. and with a re- response to it. Yeah. I've done a, actually, I did a weekend course in, what would you say, improvis- improvisational theater. Yeah. I'm trying to <laughs> directly translate from Swedish there. Where you, well, you have to improvise. Mm. And if you're interacting with people on stage, you can never, never, never say no or go against what they're saying because essentially the, what you're playing is stops because they don't understand, well, where are you going with that? Because if you stop mm. me mm. In, my, in my step trying to get somewhere, then I don't know what to do. But if you uh, actually embrace that, but maybe steer it in a different direction later on, uh, that will work. Yeah. So you can't stop people in their step. That it's just, it just doesn't work. No. <laughs> well, um, thank you for listening. You can turn off now. No, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Before you turn off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what button do I press to turn off? It's like, what? what? <laughs> you can find um, some show notes for this uh, um, episode on our website, mm-hmm. which is uxpodcast.com. Um, please sign up for our backstage mailing list because uh, you will find out um, um, about things that we're doing, a little ba- backstage information about these shows, and even occasionally um, special offers. We might even share some highlights from our trip to Interact London. I just thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> we could do. Um, and um, you can um, subscribe to us um, via iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else. Um, I'm um, Beantin on Twitter. And I'm uh, Axbom on Twitter. Yeah, and together we're UX Podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.